TechBiter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 433 for March 8th, 2015. This week, a new version of Zara Photo and Graphic Designer offers useful new photographic features and updates some of the vector image features. BriefMe is either the future of journalism or the end of journalism, or maybe something else entirely. In short circuits, people say they are unimpressed with customer service. This is news. China's Huawei plans a round watch to compete with Apple's Square Watch. And if you haven't changed your router's default password, Brian Krebs will explain why you should. Only on the website in spare parts, fear of crime is pushing some of us to think more about computer security. A Swiss doctor has developed an app to help men assess the risk of prostate cancer. And condom manufacturer Durex says it has an app for orgasms. Seriously. Although the latest version of Zara's photo and graphic designer, version 10, was released last summer, I failed to notice it until recently. We're still several months away from version 11, so let's take a look at what's in the new version, at least new to me. Zara's been around for a long time. Back in the dark ages, Corel established a marketing agreement with Zara, but that seemed to be mainly designed to give Corel access to Zara's functions, more so than to sell any of Zara's products. So at the end of the agreement, Zara once again became responsible for its own future. Photo and graphic design is intended to work both with bitmap images, digital photos, for example, and with vector images, those that are made from geometric shapes. The past few versions have concentrated almost exclusively on the photo part of the program. Version 10 includes several welcome new and improved photo functions, but the graphic designer part of the program has also been improved. One of Zara's premier strengths is, and always has been, its speed. You won't find the breadth and depth of features offered by Adobe's numerous products, but you will find an excellent selection of useful tools in a program that's faster than the competition and lower priced, too. One feature I'd like to see in some later version of the product is the equivalent of Adobe's Camera Raw application, which has the ability to modify raw photographic files in their native format. Camera Raw achieves this by means of a sidecar file that's associated with the raw file. The sidecar files carry information about what changes Camera Raw made. The advantage is that you retain the original file with access to modifications, but without modifying the original file. Zara does achieve a similar result by opening the raw file and converting it to the Zara native format. This ensures that the original file is retained, but changes made in Zara are not available in other applications because those applications can't read the Zara file format. The inability to save changes in raw format is a minor issue, and you may find that the extra features Photo and Graphic Designer 10 offers and its lower price are well worth the trade-off. 
Adding text, clip art, and other items to a photograph is easy because of the many built-in features on the insert menu, the design gallery, and the online content catalog. The online resource is relatively limited. Selecting Arrow Smart Shapes, for example, offers only eight options. But once the shape has been imported into the image, it can be modified. In addition to Smart Shapes, you'll find Font Awesome Symbols. That's a library of 519 open-source pictographic icons. These can be colored and resized as you wish. Font Awesome content is used on most up-to-date websites. You'll even find some on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The library of icons is maintained by Dave Gandy. You'll find a link to the Font Awesome website on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Zara has enabled these little icons inside the Insert menu, and any of the shapes is easily inserted. You'll see an image on the TechBiter Worldwide website with lots of changes made to it. I certainly wouldn't recommend that you do what I've done to any photograph, but individual effects can add information and interest to an image. On this image, you'll see that I have inserted a banner from the Design Gallery and then added some text to it. I've added a speech bubble, modified the background color and the typeface used inside the bubble, and then added a bevel effect. I inserted a text rectangle and used the color picker to select a color from the cat in the picture for the background. Also, I added transparency to the box and placed some text on front of it, then used the color picker to select another color from the cat for that text. Then I used the color picker to select another color from the cat for the text. I imported a font awesome image, increased its size, added a green shade, and then modified the color with a circular transition to a lighter green, and finally added a drop shadow to the icon. And I selected an arrow from the online content catalog, modified the color, size, and shape of the arrow, added text on top of the arrow, selected a color from the cat for the fill, and added a drop shadow. Like I said, you don't want to do all that to an image but it was one way I could show a lot of features in a single image. So don't get carried away with special effects. Use them sparingly. New users in particular will probably spend a lot of time using the Insert menu and the Design Gallery and Bitmap Gallery, but many of the program's most powerful features remain in the Tools menu. In the example I've shown on the TechBiter Worldwide website, I'm using a bevel tool and adjusting the angle of the light. Because the light on the cat in the picture comes from the right side, the light on the arrow has been modified to also come from that same direction. Although the underlying image is a photograph, all of the additions are vector-based. These can be made larger or smaller without any loss of quality because vector images are simply mathematical descriptions of an object. Bitmap images, on the other hand, can generally be reduced in size without suffering any significant harm, but enlarging a bitmap image results in a jagged-looking, fuzzy picture. I said that Zara has made some improvements to the way it handles photographs. Well, one of the most common problems photographers encounter occur when a dark subject is photographed against a light background, particularly when the camera's automatic settings mode controls the exposure. The result is usually something like a picture you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website that shows the outside of the New York Public Library on 42nd Street, looking east toward the Chrysler Building. The red and blue New York Public Library banner is in shadows. The Chrysler Building is in direct sunlight. 
The result is not a pleasing image. So I allowed Zara Photo and Graphic Designer to make automatic changes that it thinks are best. It was an improvement, but it only improved the banner. The already too bright Chrysler building was even brighter. So then I tried the levels adjustment. That allowed me to get a little bit closer. Still not quite what I'd like to see, though. And even worse, this is an image that's nearly eight years old, meaning that camera sensors have improved considerably in the interim. And it's a JPEG image, meaning that a lot of the original scene's detail has already been lost. In other words, what I'm finding here is an uphill battle. If you check out the website, you may notice that the buildings on the left-hand side appear to be leaning. That's because the camera wasn't level. I had pointed the lens upward slightly to include the top of the Chrysler building. Zara Photo and Graphic Designer also includes a new perspective correction tool. I used it to automatically straighten the buildings on the left. New tools in this version allow highlights and shadows to be manipulated individually, in addition to providing access to controls that modify overall brightness and contrast of the image. At this point in my experimentation, I went a little bit overboard. You'll notice that there are light blooms visible around both the banner and the buildings. You don't want to see that. Additionally, the adjustments I made were so aggressive that unwanted posterization began to appear in the banner itself. So then I went back and repeated the process, being much less aggressive on both the highlights and the shadows. There's still a little light bloom around the banner, tiny bit around the buildings, but most of it's gone. The overall result is far better than either the automatic process or the manual process that I used earlier with the levels adjustment. Once you're done making changes, you'll want to save the image, and when you save an image you've modified, the recommended procedure is to save it in Zara format, because this retains the unchanged original file. Raw format files must be saved in Zara format, because each camera manufacturer maintains its own proprietary format for raw images. Original JPEG images should be retained unmodified, because every time the file is modified and saved, some of the information is lost. An improved feature in this version lets you modify a color or a range of colors. You start by placing one or more selection points on the color or colors you want to modify. This tool is often used to intensify the color of a sky without modifying other colors in the picture. In this case, I decided that I wanted to modify the color of a pickle that my younger daughter was holding at Katz's Delicatessen several years ago. Now, pickles are generally green, but I wanted a purple pickle. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled purple peppers. It, well, never mind. It, check it out on the TechBiter Worldwide website, and no pickles were harmed in the creation of that image. After purchasing Zara Photo and Graphic Designer, users are given access to a number of additional features that can be downloaded and installed for free. One of the add-ons is Photolux 2. That's an application that Red Giant used to sell for $200. Photolux 2 includes more than 100 presets ranging from vignettes to cinematic looks. After starting with one of the presets, the user can modify the look to create a custom effect that exactly fits the image. I started with a picture of a D-train running above ground in Brooklyn. thought that I'd like to create an antique photo look. You'll see both the before and after on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The presence of a modern train with a modern orange D marking in the window clearly indicates that this is not an antique image. But the effect would be quite believable had I started with an image that didn't include a train. 
The bottom line for Zara Photo and Graphic Designer version 10 is five cats. It offers powerful features at a budget price. As usual, Zara packs a lot of useful features into a $90 package. If you have a previous version, upgrades are $60. Besides the application's photographic and design functions, it can also be used to develop websites. It's well worth looking into if you need to perform any of those tasks, and it's an uncommonly responsive program, particularly considering the impressive feature set. Additional details are available on the Zara website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. News has certainly changed over the years. Once upon a time, people like Murrow, Huntley, Cronkite, Brinkley, and Severide told American people about things that they should know about. Then, big businesses discovered that they could make a great deal of money by telling people what they wanted to hear. In short, that explains today's 24-hour news cycle in which people who are called journalists scamper after the current hot story until another hot story breaks. Now, a team at Harvard University has developed an app that will allow all of us to scamper after the next hot story. BriefMe is a news ranking system that displays the highest ranking news articles in real time determined by the BriefMe score. At first glance, this looks like an application that strikes another blow for lowest common denominator journalism and against knowledge. But let's consider what the developers have to say about it. In today's endless news cycle, says BriefMe CEO Max Campion, staying informed is a tall and overwhelming task. Campion says Huffington Post alone publishes more than 1,200 articles a day. The New York Times, Washington Post, Columbus Dispatch, Bill Fountain Examiner, and thousands of other newspapers add a lot more content. BriefMe's ranking system was specifically developed to filter through the noise, according to Campion. He says that this makes it easy to quickly find the most important articles of the moment. But what exactly does the most important articles of the moment mean? Last week, the most important story might well have involved a dress that was either blue and black or yellow and gold. That dress certainly received a lot of coverage, but was the story really important? Did you really need to know about it? The team says BriefMe's proprietary algorithm uses article and topic relevance in addition to analytics from the billions of people on social media to calculate the top articles. The app works only on Apple's iOS devices right now, and it's available from the Apple Store. According to the BriefMe website, an Android version is coming soon. The company says that BriefMe will redefine front-page news. Instead of relying on an editor to determine what's newsworthy, the app defines top news by what people are reading and sharing most. Does that concern you? BriefMe quotes CNN's senior political analyst, David Gergen. BriefMe will not only provide a single destination for the latest news, but tell me in real time exactly what articles people all over the world are reading and sharing the most. So now the news media will report what people are talking about. Gergen is also co-director of the Center for Public Leadership at the Harvard Kennedy School. You'll find more information on BriefMe on the BriefMe website, and when it is available for Android devices, I'll take another look. It may be that BriefMe will turn out to be just another tool, neither good nor bad in its own right, 
but something that can be used well or poorly. In short circuits, here's a big surprise for you. Customers don't seem to like the service they're getting. We don't need another app. What we need is better customer service. That's the clear message from an online survey by Harris Poll. The survey was sponsored by Nice Systems. That's a company that provides software used by businesses to provide customer service. The company's applications are also designed to ensure legal compliance as required and reduce financial crime. The survey shows that the most frustrating aspect of customer service is dealing with customer service representatives who are not adequately prepared to resolve a customer's problem. The survey questioned more than 2,000 U.S. adults online. NICE President Mickey Migdal characterizes the research this way. Dissatisfaction arises, he says, when organizations cannot deliver a consistent, effortless, and personalized journey across all channels and touchpoints. Buzzwords aside, the survey says that 95% of respondents felt they had enough methods by which they could contact companies. The frustrations came when they actually tried to contact those companies. 30% of consumers attributed customer service woes to the agents not being prepared or lacking skills. 16% said they were frustrated when customer service didn't know their history or preferences. 26% said that resolving problems takes far too much time and effort. Migdal notes that several attributes can contribute to customer satisfaction. For example, management needs better visibility into interactions between customers and the company. He also stresses the need for everyone in the company to understand customers' needs so that they can provide what customers need when they need it. To accomplish this, the company must ensure that the right person is available to customers at the right time and that this person is engaged, knowledgeable, and ready to help. The survey by Harris Poll questioned 2,030 people age 18 and older. Harris notes that the survey was not based on a probability sample and therefore no estimate of theoretical sampling error can be calculated. Chinese electronics manufacturer Huawei announced a challenge to Apple's upcoming watch this week at the Mobile World Congress in Spain. Both watches are coming soon. Remember when companies announced software products that would be shipping any day now? These were called vaporware because sometimes they never shipped. With the advent of wearable computing devices, perhaps these should be referred to as vaporware. You know, like in wear your clothes. Vapor, it's kind of like a joke. See, vapor, where? Never mind. You'll see a picture of Apple's rectangular watch on the TechBiter Worldwide website and Huawei's round watch. Huawei says its 1.4-inch round watch has a touch-sensitive, active matrix, organic light-emitting diode display with a scratch-proof lens in a stainless steel frame. The watch will include a heart rate monitor and six-axis motion sensors. Shipping date, 
Who knows? Price? Sorry, not talking about it. Huawei CEO Richard Yu says people expect watches to be round, not square. The Huawei watch will be available in gold, silver, and black. Users will be able to choose from nearly four dozen watch straps. The watch's display is 400 pixels across with a resolution of 286 pixels per inch. A high contrast ratio, Yu claims it's 10,000 to 1, makes the image crisp and clear. The watch is powered by a Qualcomm 1.2 GHz processor running Android 4.3. So this is probably the point at which I need to insert the obligatory reference to today's watches having more computing power than the devices that Armstrong, Aldrin, and Collins took along when they visited the moon in 1969. The Huawei watch includes 4 gigabytes of storage, 512 megabytes of RAM, and Bluetooth 4.1. The company has research and development operations in the U.S., Russia, Germany, India, Sweden, and about 10 other countries. You can see more about the Huawei watch on the Huawei website. There's a link, of course, from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Every router shipped comes with a default username, usually it's admin or something like that, and there's a default password. It could be blank, the word password, the word admin, or the name of the manufacturer. All of those are pretty common. The admin username often cannot be changed, and so if you don't change the default password, you are asking for trouble. Security writer Brian Krebs discussed this recently on his blog. Krebs became interested in security when he was working as a reporter for the Washington Post. He has written more than 1,300 blog posts on security, at least one book, and many accounts of security breaches. In case you need yet another reason to change the default username and password on your wired or wireless router, Krebs writes, fishers are sending out links that when clicked quietly alter the settings on vulnerable routers, to harvest online banking credentials and other sensitive data from victims. This ploy has been seen in Brazil, where spammers crafted messages that were designed to mimic messages from Brazil's largest internet service provider. The messages describe an unpaid bill and offer a link for more information. The real danger of attacks like these, Krebs warns, is that they bypass antivirus and other security tools and they're likely to go undetected by the victim for a long periods of time. You can read the full article on the Krebs security blog. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. And speaking of the website, don't miss Spare Parts, which is only on the website. Fear of crime is pushing some of us to think more about computer security. A Swiss doctor has developed an app to help men assess their risk of prostate cancer. And get this, condom manufacturer Durex says it has an app for orgasms. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website www.techbiter.com and if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.